This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media, and this is March 14th. And welcome to another edition of the Boston Bruins Beat here on LNS Media, and well, you know, being that it's James Patrick Murphy, and that's my name, and it's St. Patrick's Week, I had to bring you in with the polls, and I, I will be going to where streams of whiskey are flowing in uh, Holyoke, Mass, in Western Massachusetts for their parade weekend. I am out of here after this uh, podcast, and uh, pretty psyched, but before I do that, I want to talk some hockey with my good friend Kevin Weeks from NHL Network, and of course, uh, he does great work there. He's a former NHL goalie, and we'll get his perspective on Tuka Rask and the Bruins' goaltending situation. But first, let's bring Kevin in right now. Kev, how you been? I'm great, Murph. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good, my man. And uh, as you know, I mean, the Bruins uh, recently had that 19-game point streak snapped, and they lose their last two games. But, uh, you know, Kev, I mean, they're a banged-up team, and Usually, when a team goes on a on a run like that, and then they finally lose, they lose a couple, right? It's just only natural like, that kind of happens. And maybe some of the things that, you know, the bad habits that were showing that the streak, I think, hid, are kind of coming to the surface now. But I don't think it's any reason to panic for Bruins fans. Do you? No, I don't. I don't ever think it's a reason to panic for Bruins fans. I mean, come on, you guys are the winningest sports city in the world. What do you mean? Come on, <laughs> settle down. <laughs> Holy smokes. So, uh, no, the Bees, hey, listen, I love the Bees squad. You know, I, I think that the Bees have done an amazing job with their amateur scouts in drafting and developing players. Great job. Great job down in Providence, you know, right through the organization. And, hey, this is a team, I remember talking to guys in the locker room in and around the Winter Classic at South Bend at Notre Dame. And, you know, they were saying, we just, we're just playing to get through. We're, we're playing. We're playing these close games. They had a lot of injuries at that time, as you know. They've been banged up, and they played through them. Different guys have stepped up at different times. Of course, the top line is one of the best lines. It's not the best line in the league on the planet right now. There's no question about that. But even in the absence of Pasta, still, they still were able to run off that and maintain that streak. So, and Pasta is one of the best players in the league. So I think when you put it all together, the goaltending has been excellent. Yarrow Halak was great from the outset of the season when Tuka was trying to find his game. Tuka hit his form. He's been great since then. The defense has been excellent, especially with my boy Charlie McAvoy post-Winter Classic getting back in the lineup. I mean, there's just a lot to love about this team. I think the two moves that they made as well, 
by adding the two bodies at the trade deadline. Marcus Johansson, he's banged up already too, which is tough because I thought he was going to be a nice fit, and he was a nice fit. And Charlie Coyle, hometown boy. So I think they're a deeper team now with those two additions. I, I love the team. I think that they, they play a combination of the new school game, which Coach Cassidy wants them to play with the speed and skill, but they also have some jam, which I'm sure the fans love in Boston. So uh, I think that this is a team that can definitely make some noise in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Well, you know, it's interesting. You bring up those two acquisitions they made at the deadline there with Coyle and Johansson, and I think a lot of people around here and more of the mainstream sports media were hoping they make a big splash and they go out and get a Panarin or somebody like that or, a, you know, Tarasenko's name had been brought up at points, and uh, they, they don't get those guys, or Mark Stone, what have you. And, and people are kind of bummed out about that. And then specifically on Coyle right now, He's getting a lot of heat here, or more so the Bruins are getting a lot of heat for getting him and trading Ryan Donato to get him because they look at what Donato's done since that trade uh, on the score sheet, and then they look at just one assist in nine games for Charlie Coyle. But, Kevin, I think you'll agree with me, though. Charlie Coyle wasn't brought here simply to score, which is, I think, you know, and this is no knock on Ryan Donato. He is what he is, and he's good at it, but he's just sort of one-dimensional. He's a scorer, and and that's it. He was he wasn't necessarily fitting in with what Cassidy wanted on the defensive end, whereas Coyle, I look at it, this is the first time that Cassidy's had, you know, four lines that he can roll because for a while the third line really never had a center there, and to put him in there, it just gives the Bruins so much more flexibility. Would you not agree? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think there was a lot of talk about that getting back to the Winter Classic. There, were a lot, there was a lot of talk about that at the time, who's going to be that third line center, who's going to be the end. If you remember. Nola Chari stepped up big in that game. He had some big games. Um, you know, they tried different combinations, different guys in that role. But I think the biggest thing for Charlie Coyle and, and not, you know, a lot of the Bees fans are familiar with him because he's a Boston kid and he played at BU and everything else. I think my biggest thing for Charlie Coyle is he's good defensively. Uh, every one of his teammates that I spoke to in, uh, in, in Minnesota had nothing but great things to say about him. My big thing for Charlie Coyle now is – to realize his size and frame is a huge asset. And you're not expecting the truck guys to run anybody over become a power forward. But I love the fact that he can handle the defensive responsibilities, but he has skills and he has touch. So when he gets into the ozone, one of the things I want to see from him, and there's an area of growth potential in his game, once he gets into the ozone, offensive zone that is, is get in and around the net more. Be in and around the net. Be more of a net front presence in and around there. And once he puts himself in better spots, I think that production is going to be reflective. Like, one of the things people don't talk about about the top line is, of course, you have world-class skill. Marshawn's no longer just an agitator. He's a world-class skill player. Bergeron is a complete world-class skill player, and he is akin to – he is the Patrick – if you want to say so. He's the Jonathan Taze of the Eastern Conference. Jonathan Taze is the Patrice Bergeron of the Western Conference. That's the way I see it. They're almost identical players. But he has that skill. He plays a complete game. And, of course, Pasta is an elite an elite skilled player. But one thing about that line is they're buzzing. They're around it. They're around the net. They're around the goal line. They're beneath the net. They're on the boards. You know what I mean? So I think that that's one area that Charlie Coe can improve. But as I said from the outset, I feel like this team, with the addition of uh, Mojo, as they call him, Marcus Johansson and Charlie Coyle, you can't tell me it's not a better team with those additions. And, yes, of course, everybody likes to swing for the, pen- for the fences and get a Panarin. You know, we have the same agent. I was literally on the phone with my agent earlier when you were texting me. Uh-huh. He represents Panarin. But, you know, Yarmo Kekalainen chose to go all in with their group. Right. Retain, retain him, retain Bobrovsky, 
and and go and swing for the fences and try to add Matt Duchesne to Zingle and, and McQuaid, who you guys know from Boston. So sometimes you've got a great thing going. I mean, you, you can't win games in this league by smoke and, smoke and mirrors, and you can't get points in 19 straight by smoke, and, by smoke and mirrors. So I really think that those were good additions. I love the Bees team as is. Yeah, and you also look at I mean, I look at Stone, too, and I mean, I think sometimes people forget – we see is that uh, look at where he ended up in Nevada. There's no income tax there. That plays a major role in him signing an extension here. He comes to Boston. I don't think he's signing an extension here. I think he's going to market and then trying to find a place like Nevada in the offseason. So got to factor those things in. There's so much more than just, oh, well, you know, it's the best guy in the market. Why can't we get him? Well, there's a lot of things. There's cap reasons and, you know, he wants to go. So, I think all things considered, I'm happy with what Don Sweeney did there. Let me tell you, though, Weezy, one mm. thing people can never be happy with in Boston, and I, I just don't get it. it, it baffles me beyond belief, is mm-hmm. Jim Trask. I mean, this guy mm. is absolutely, uh, you know, I, I think I, I, until, you know, he, he just, until he wins a cup, he's never yeah. the respect he deserves here, and I just don't think that's fair. Because I think he's one of the best, though. He is statistically the best goalie in Bruins history. And yet, mm. everybody just hates on him. I mean, last night, I mean, I don't know if you saw that game against Columbus. Of course we did. Yeah. 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 I mean, their defense was atrocious. I mean, they were banged up. They were tired. They, there was turnovers galore. I don't blame one of those goals on Tuca. And, and yet, everybody is saying, oh, Tuca stinks. There we go. Here comes the regular Tuca. Why can't this guy get respect? I think what, what's hard in Boston and what makes it great and makes it the great sports city that you guys have there is you have had so much greatness over the years that sometimes, you know, uh, I don't know, does this steak, uh, I don't know, is it cutting properly? Uh, is it YU beef? Is it Kobe beef? Uh, I don't know. Is it chowder fresh? Come on! Stop it already. Like, I, I love it, and I got a lot of friends in Beantown, and I love what I love about it, I love the passion that, that people have. But, you know, you guys know your sports. You live your sports. You don't love them. You live them. Like a good friend of mine here in Jersey, Frankie, who's in the music industry, Frankie Arrigo, we always go back and forth on text. He's like, this team, there's something special. I'm emotional. I can't believe it. I'm emotional. And we're going back and forth on text. <laughs> so, so I understand the mentality, and I love the passion. But sometimes you have to just take a deep breath and realize, hey, listen, man, we have had greats. We have had you know, we do have the GOAT in Tom Brady. We, you know, we've got, we've had Pedro. We've had Big Poppy. You know, we've had Larry Bird. Right now, Kyrie, you've got to keep quiet because he's a baller. And I don't want to hear all the talk, but he's a baller. I love Kyrie. But we've got Kyrie. We've got Tatum. You know, we've got Mookie Bet. Like, come on. So, to me, it's almost sometimes I think people just start finding flaws. And Tuka's, you know, he's the all-time winningest goalie in the franchise history. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's Terry Price just hit that milestone yesterday. People in Montreal aren't hating on Terry Price. You better not be hating on Tuka Rask. I mean, Tuka Rask has been great. Of course, there have been dips. Everybody has dips in their, in their performance. But I think all things being equal, man, when you're an original historic franchise like the Bees and you look at what Tuka's done and losing a guy like Tim Thomas, who was amazing there and became amazing there, and then Tuka just stepped in to fill the shoes, I mean, that's, so, that's hard to find. And I would also say Yarrow Halak has been great. Yeah. Halak has been awesome. He's yeah. been great. It was a great signing. And him and Zeno Tar are good friends. You know, they're both Slovak. They played together on, on uh, Team Europe during the World Cup of Hockey a couple of years ago up in Toronto. And 
I just think that that was a great ad. So I'm not at all worried about the Bees goaltending. They have one of the best tandems on the planet right now. Well, the knock, the main knock here, Kevin, is that they say he can't make the big save. He can't steal games. He can't, he can't win a game for you. He's complimentary to what he has in front of him, which I disagree with. And I point back to one Completely thing. Completely disagree. And I point back, and, and yet I'm going to get the argument thrown in my face. Well, they swept that series. But I point back to that 2013 Eastern Conference Final against Pittsburgh, where mm-hmm. I Tuka in that series probably played the best hockey of his career. And mm-hmm. he swept them. And, yes, maybe Pittsburgh wasn't where they wanted to be. But I also look at it, I think it was game three, there was one game that went to overtime where he absolutely stole that game. And if the Bruins mm-hmm. that, it's a whole different st- uh, series. You know what I'm talking about? Totally, totally. Well, here's my thing, man, and, and that's actually a great point that you make there, Murph. Here's my thing, too, is if you look at the consistency, if you look at the performance, if you look at the numbers over time, how many goalies in the league would you prefer over Tukaras, please? Please, can I get a can right. I get a show of right. hands for the people in Dorchester? Please, please, can I get a show of hands? <laughs> How many goalies around the league right now today are you getting ahead of Tukaras? I got to tell you something. There aren't many. What are we at? Seven, six, yeah. and I mean factor in everything. Factor in age. Factor in everything. So realistically speaking, you're not really going to get better. And, I mean, goalie to goalie, shoulder to shoulder, Tuca can go head-to-head with Pricey. He can go head-to-head with Henrik. I know Henrik's 36, but still kicking, still amazing, still an all-star this year. You know, you, you start looking around the league. He could, go, he could go toe-to-toe with anybody, with Jonathan Quick, who plays college hockey at UMass, of course. I mean, he, there isn't a goalie that he can't go to who's elite, who's been elite, and Tuca has been as well. So he can go head-to-head with any one of those guys. The ice is never tilted. It's never tilted in the favor of the opposing team as a a result of their goalie. So, uh, listen, I get it. You've also gotten a cup final with two kids of starters we were talking about. You've also, you know, you've been on a team that's won the cup with that 2011 team. These guys are just hard to find, man. And let me tell you something. If they were that easy to find, none of the other young goalies that you guys have had that really to this point haven't been able to solidify themselves in the NHL per se, Yep. They, they don't come on trees. They, like, no. It just doesn't happen. They don't grow on trees. It's not that they aren't that common to be able to find a stud goalie that can play in a hot spot market like Boston that, you know, can deliver and play elite at an elite level. Like, it's they're hard to find. And, and, you know, Very and difficult I, to find. Just one more note on this, and we'll move on from this. But Yeah, no worries. No problem. Yeah, I think that you, you brought it up. You've made a great point, and I, I think that's – probably the biggest reason why he finds it hard to get the proper respect here is just how spoiled the sports fans are here in the city and how many championships they continue to win and the, and the amount of quality athletes that we see come through here. But then yes. the next one I think really, really is a thorn in my side is when they say, well, you know, he, why can't he just do what Tim Thomas did in 2011? Look, I'm sorry, but, you know, uh, you're going to get that maybe – once every 50 years with Tim Thomas. Exactly. Up front. I mean, it just doesn't happen often. It's not you just get up and do it. It's That was a freak of nature to see. I don't think we'll ever see it again, in, at least in my lifetime. But it's it's just it's horrible to hear him say that because it's like, guys, that's that's an exception to the rule. You, can, you can't compare that to every goalie that comes after Tim Thomas, right? Well, let me say exactly. Well, here's the thing. So – 
when the Bees last made – the last cup final that they made prior to that was 1990 with Billy Radford, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's when Billy okay. Radford – Okay, right. And Billy Rad, right, and Billy Radford stood in his head – or against them, rather. He stood in his head. But when he was with the Bees – It's an open net. I'll never forget it. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so here's my thing. In, in 1990 was the last time. It doesn't happen very often. Slash never. Slash <laughs> hardly ever. And as you just said, you know, it's been for a, a franchise that's as esteemed, that's as prestigious as the Bees, that has the history, that has all of everything going for it. How many times can you point to what Tim Thomas is? Like you said, it was like basically you guys would have been better off seeing a, a lavender-colored unicorn running up and down, running up and down the seaport. <laughs> that's more likely to happen. So yes, it is the exception to the rule. It doesn't happen. But you can't find that. I remember working that. That was the second Stanley Cup final that I worked as a broadcaster. That's where we, we, yeah, we made that's it. When we met. Yeah, yeah, remember? Yeah, exactly. And I remember saying to myself, this guy's playing like Dominic Hasek. Yeah. Why? I played against Dominic Hasek. I played against him Thomas, but Dominic Hasek, I mean, he didn't have to be as great as he was when he beat us in 2002 for the Stanley Cup when I was in Carolina. Yeah. But that's the level that Dominic Hasek played at. Have you seen anybody? play at that level as consistently as Dominic Hasek since he retired? No. Okay. Well, then what are we going to say? And all the while, Lundquist is going to be a Hall of Famer. Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be a Hall of Famer. Roberto Luongo is going to be a Hall of Famer. Terry Price is on track to be a Hall of Famer. Jonathan Quick could be a Hall of Famer. And that's just this crop of goalies in this generation alone. I know. Yeah. It's unreal. (laughs) So let's. that's how rarefied air it really is. You know what I mean? No, as anyone is speaking of, and I, I said this to my girlfriend the other day, I said, you know what would be a great documentary? Finding Tim uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, it'd be awesome. That's a 30 for 30. Forget that. Let that be an entire E60 right there. Right? For I, sure. I, maybe I'm going to do it. Maybe I'm just going to take three months and put it all in, and, and I'm going to find Timmy somewhere. I know last I heard he was in Montana, but uh, we'll figure it out. It's, it's too bad, too, because, I mean, really, I would – I would like to see him honored someday by the Bruins for what he did, but I know it didn't end on good terms, so likely not. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, understood. Let's hope that time can mend some fences there, but what he did was certainly was remarkable. I mean, it was historic, and as I said, you're fortunate now to, you know, that the baton was passed to the to the next runner on that relay team in the net for the Bees, and, you know, you now have your franchise, your franchise leader in terms of history and by games won for a Bees goaltender, so Listen, you're, the goaltending is it couldn't be in a better spot right now than having Tuka and Yarrow. I, I believe, and I believe that wholeheartedly. Yep. Hey, listen, before we let you go, let's let's talk about something. It looks like it's going to happen again. I mean, it's all but a lock right now. Um, uh, that's the Toronto Maple Leafs against the Boston Bruins in the first round. And look, we saw this yeah. when, when when Timmy was the goalie here. We we saw it a lot with the Bruins and Canadians ending up in the first round a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. I just get your perspective on another potential Leafs-Bruins series. What's your take on, you know, I know a lot of people are talking about it coming out of the GM meetings, on the, the playoff format right now and, and having this happen again and seeing teams like this continually meet in the first round and, and maybe the best matchups happening before the conference final. Do you want to see a change, Kev, or are you okay with this? Do you think the rivalries are building through these repeated matches in the playoffs? Yeah, I think that rivalries are really built on the strength of playoff series. And, you know, if you're, if you're talking, you know, if you're talking Boston Bruins and Toronto Maple Leafs, or as you mentioned a few years back, 
when it was Boston and Montreal. I mean, how does it get better? Yeah. You can't, it can't get better than that. So, yeah, would you like to see some of these matchups a little later on? Maybe. But this is what makes the National Hockey League the best playoff format in the world. Yeah. You know, no disrespect. I love, I love all my other sports. I love the NBA. I love baseball. I love NFL. Tom Brady is the closest thing I think I've seen to Michael Jordan, which says everything you need to know right there. Yep. But And Kobe right in behind him. But I think where that's all concerned, and LeBron's there and Larry and the rest of them, but I think where that's concerned, at the end of the day, man, listen, this is what you want. This is what you live for. This is what generations of fans, this is what great-grandmothers that are watching the Bees and the Leafs, this is what grandmothers, this is what parents, kids, grandkids, and, and future kids, this is a strength. I mean, this is a strength upon which the league has built, those rivalries, that intensity, Stanley Cup playoffs. And, you know, in certain instances, our first round, and Charles Barkley's said this numerous times, he loves watching Stanley Cup playoffs because there's nothing like it. You can't predetermine what's going to happen the way you can in a sport, let's say, like like the NBA playoffs, yeah. as an example. You know, you know that when LeBron was in Cleveland, they were getting, they were getting, to, the, they were getting to the East and getting to the NBA championship. You knew that. You know that was going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, I knew last year, being in Boston earlier in the season, it would have been June, late June and early July, being in Beantown and watching the uh, watching Chris Dale pitch and watching the Sox at Fenway. This team's going to the World Series. Nobody's beating these guys. <laughs> this team's sick. Yeah. This team is sick. I knew it. Like, you, But in hockey, you just don't know. It, that's what makes it so compelling and makes it so captivating to watch. And Commissioner Bettman always says this. He always says it's the ultimate reality show, unscripted. Yeah. It's the ultimate reality show. Disney can't script this. The best in the world. Disney, Lionsgate, none of them. You can't script the Stanley Cup playoffs. No. That's what's so amazing about it. So uh, I'm, I'm fine, and, and I'm at peace with, with how it is now as it is. I think that a lot of the first rounds are, are super compelling, and you see some Cinderella stories. You know, I was a part of a team that did that. We were never supposed to beat the juggernaut that was the New Jersey Devils in the first round in 02. Never. Like, a lot of people got wiped out on that. That had some action on that series. You know, because, you know, that team had been to five Stanley Cups. Yeah. All the Hall of Famers. You know, you look at all the you, – you look at everything on paper, but the best part of it, Murph, the games aren't played on paper, man. And that's yeah. one of the things about Stanley Cup playoffs. you got to go out and, and – got to go out and earn it. So – as far as I'm concerned, I don't have any problem, and I think Boston, Toronto is going to be amazing. I'm a Toronto-born kid. Uh, you know, I've been in New York. I play for all three teams. We live here now because the NHL Network studios are here in Jersey, so we're back living here. But I'll tell you one thing: when it's all said and done, that's going to be a heck of a series, man. I think so too. I think it's going seven again, whether it's played in Toronto, or whether it's played in Boston, and I do think that might that might seal it again. I, I just the, the TD Garden has become the absolute house of horrors. It's it's basically what Yankee Stadium yep. with the Red Sox back. I agree. First, you know, it's it, it, they they just can't win that big game there, and uh, you see it in a regular season. We see in the playoffs, so it's going to be interesting to see if I I think one of the key things to watch right now is mm-hmm. have, the Bruins have really, and, and this is such a credit to Bruce Cassidy. Who I don't think is going to get coached here. He might not even finish top three just because of the competition, the other stories going on. But he deserves mm-hmm. attention. Just the way they've been able to overcome these injuries. You mentioned it when we started the podcast, and you know, I think right now we're starting to see that. Maybe they're human beings, right? It's, it's going to eventually catch up, and we're seeing that. And I'm wondering, can the Leafs get their shit together 
and actually pass the Bruins and capitalize on what I think is a bit of a wall that the Bruins are hitting right now. And I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying it's natural. I don't know if the Leafs can do it, though. There's something missing about this Leafs team still when I when I think about, you know, toughness, uh, mental toughness, I should say, not physical, but mental toughness. Yeah. Is that the one thing that worries you about this Leafs team? Yeah, it's funny. You know, my parents still live at home in Toronto. My dad always says that. He's like, I love this team. they got a lot of great players, a lot of exciting young players, talent, skill, and everything else. I just wonder, once the heat gets turned up, can they rise? Can they rise to the occasion? I mean, yeah. they played Tampa the other night on home ice two nights ago. Those are the type of games that you circle on your calendar if you're the least. Yeah. Tampa came in there and just and beat them down, dominated them seven, whatever it was, seven one or whatever the score ended up. I can't even remember, but they beat them down. But nonetheless, that's the thing. Like that's when those games, when the heat gets turned up, and then you can't respond or you don't respond, it kind of begs some questions. Now, let's be honest. Being, as I said, being a Toronto kid, this is the best young team that they've had ever that I can remember, ever, in terms of youth and, you know, offense and they've set records in terms of home wins and points and everything else. Freddie Anderson is amazing. Freddie is the best trophy candidate. You get together, huh? Again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because he gets right, exactly. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the totally, and if you look at the goalies that play for the Leafs, I mean, in these generations, uh, you know, I had a chance to watch Cujo and play against him. Cujo was great there. I had yep. a chance to watch Belfort. At the end of his career, he was still a stud there. He was great there. Obviously, Felix Popman burst on the scene. Play against him. Watch him as a kid. Play against him. Traded for him. He was great there. And what Freddie Anderson is doing is comparable or better to any of those guys. So, that just goes to tell you how great the goaltending has been for them. Freddie Anderson, as I said, is the best trophy candidate for me. Yeah. Top five goalie in the league right now. But, but with that, but with that, the challenge for the Leafs is once the games get tight, do they want to jam? Yeah. Do they want to jam? Do you want to win battles along the boards? Are you willing to tie up sticks in front of Freddie? Are you willing to battle in front of your net and the opposing net? Time will tell. Yeah. Time yeah. will tell because when the games are loose and they're wide open, they're as lethal as any team in the league. I mean, that team will sting you. Yeah. They've got four lines that could score. You know, yep. Tavares is having a monster season. Mitch Warner's your best player right now, which is crazy because I figured it would be, and it typically should be Austin Matthews, who's having a really good year, who's banged up, but he's still north of 30 goal mark, given the games he's played. But I'm curious to see. One thing I like about the Bees over the Leafs is they're willing to jam. They're willing to play with some sandpaper. They're willing to pay the price. And one guy that I think, He's underrated, and I really loved him his rookie year with the Bees, and I don't think he gets enough love as Brandon Carlo. Oh, my gosh. What a year. We haven't seen him in the playoffs yet, Ken. He has not played a I love Carlo. Yeah. I know it's crazy. I love Brandon Carlo. Yep. Brislick has been really good for them. Oh. You know, I remember McAvoy, when he played at BU, Anthony Carter telling me, he's like, we see, you got to see this kid. This kid's a stud. Wait till you see him. Yep. And then when I watched him at World Juniors, it's like, oh, my gosh. This guy is the, this is the guy. And, you know, since he's been healthy and rediscovered his form, Big Z, you know, obviously is a future Hall of Famer. They look good on that top pair again. So uh, I, I, the Bees have a better defense, and they're a more physical team. They are. That, those are two things that I, that I give the Bees a lot of credit for right you know, now. And I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, when I look at that Leafs team, I think the only re- – and we, we keep talking, yeah, they're going to need that jam, and that's going to be the key. And what did they learn from last year? What are those young players – take from that lesson, that heart-wrenching experience again in Game 7 when they blow the lead, 
I, I just right. one thing. I remember talking with Mark Recchi, um, Yep. And I want to say it was like, I don't know, a day after they won the cup, two days after they won the cup. And he mm-hmm. says to me, you know, Murph, if we don't blow that series against Philly last year, we don't win this cup. And Interesting, said, oh. huh? And he said, he said, I'm telling you, losing that series woke up mm-hmm. the younger kids on this team. It, it, it taught them lessons, it, and they never wanted to feel that again. And that was the motivating factor right. the whole following season and through the playoffs was the taste we had in our mouth when we walked off the ice in Boston after blowing game seven and blowing that series. So I wonder, you know, can the Leafs do the same thing and channel what happened last year and take that lesson? I think that's the only hope they have because if they if they hadn't learned the lesson that the Bruins learned in 2011, they're going to get blown out again. Yeah, I don't disagree with you on that. I don't disagree with you on that, Murph. I think that that's what's important. Like, you got to learn how to manage games. you got to learn – you know, how to make decisions. Like, everybody talks about that from a football standpoint, which is no stranger to you guys there in Beantown, obviously, yep. for obvious reasons. <laughs> but management. Manage the clock. Manage the game. And, and let your decisions kind of align with the, you know, the time of the game, the situation of the game. Where are you at? Where's the game at? You know, what? make good, good reads on your possession. Make good reads when you don't have the puck. Your outlets. Your quick, you know, your, your reads in the D zone when you're defending, your reads in the D zone when you're trying to, you know, break out of your D zone, all those things. Yeah. The game management, you know, people talk about players and they're, yeah, this guy, his skills, his this, whatever, but your intelligence, watch how guys play. Watch the small, watch Patrice Bergeron. Yeah. He's, just, he's, he's, I know he's Quebec, he's a proud Quebecer and Bostonian now. He could be from Switzerland. He's efficient, mechanical. He's like a Swiss watch. <laughs> Always precise movement, precise in time, all the time. Doesn't matter where, doesn't matter when. I, you know what I'm saying? Like he's got that level of dependability. And right now in the Leafs team, I don't know that they have a forward that has that level of precision in any situation that could arise on the clock in any game, let alone in Stanley Cup playoff games. I hear you. I'm with There's you. a reason why Sid wants him and Marshawn on their line when they play for Team Canada internationally. Oh, man. It's I'll tell you that right now. By the way, quick, Sid, Sid Crosby should be a uh, Selkie Trophy candidate this year. You with me on that? He's been awesome. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's been amazing. Good. Yeah, love it. Him and Patrice are great together, too. Hey, listen, we see always a pleasure. You're a busy man. I appreciate you taking the time. And uh, You're welcome, Murph. I'm down the line again, all right? All right, buddy. Thanks to all the Beast fans that tune in to listen to us on the NHL Network, too. We appreciate you. Uh, and they appreciate you, my friend. That's Kevin Weeks, former NHL goalie and analyst for NHL Network, joining us here on the Bruins Beaten. You know, I'll tell you guys, we, we heard we heard Kevin there, and we thank him for coming on again. He's a great guy. Uh, had some good times with him during the playoffs over the years. Anyhow, you know, you heard him talk about that run that Carolina went on in the playoffs in 2002 and how it might have lost some uh, some gamblers some money in hockey betting there. I'll tell you what, folks, speaking of gambling, we're proud now to be sponsored by betonline.ag, okay? And as you know, we'll not just focus on hockey here. March Madness is upon us. It's another huge month in sports across the NBA, NCAA, and NHL as they gear towards their playoffs as well. But there's only one place to get in all this action, and that's betonline.ag. Support our podcast by going to clnsmedia.com slash win and use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. That's CLNS50 at betonline.ag. 
your online sportsbook experts. And I'm telling you right now, folks, I think it would be a good little bet to put on the Bruins. I know people are saying, yeah, they could beat Toronto, but they're done with Tampa. I don't know. Like Weeksy said, man, they, they, they've got a solid team, and they've got the, the goods and the experience to do it. So why not put a little future on the Boston Bruins there on betonline.ag. We thank them for being our sponsor. And also I want to mention our other sponsor. I'm going to answer a couple questions here you sent into the Bruins inbox, but I also want to mention the athletic. I'll tell you what, guys. I tell you every week to get over there and sign up, okay? You use the code BRUINSBEAT right now at theathletic.com slash BRUINSBEAT. I don't know what you're waiting for because the stories are getting even better as we get towards the playoffs here. I mean, Pierre Lebron is doing some great work, not just focused on what's going on in the NHL. He came out with a great story about just the contracts that are coming up, some RFAs, Brand, uh, Random Point down in – a Braden Point, excuse me, down in Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, of course, Mitch Marner, we mentioned him in Toronto. He's a great piece on that. I urge you to check it out. But we've got news close to home as Joe McDonald and Solutions Hour do a great job covering for the athletics. So let me tell you, you've got to go over to the athletic right now. It's just a quality read, and it's usually a good long read. And I know – I understand that, you know – that generation of, like, 18 to 31 right now. I, I get you guys don't have much of an attention span. I understand, but I'm telling you, it's worth the read. All right? Get on there. Enjoy it. You know, you wake up on a Sunday after you had a rough Saturday night, you had a good time, and, yeah, you're not feeling like doing much. Pull your laptop out. Make a bloody Caesar there. Hop on the couch. Eat some bacon. Watch some tube and read The Athletic, and you'll get a great Sunday read there. Theathletic.com slash BruinsBeat, $2.99 a month right now. All right, let's get to the questions right now that we had going on for, you know, our Bruins inbox. And and there weren't that many this week, but this one caught my eye, and we're going to talk about it right now. And it it just, you know, one of the debates we have going right now is why are they playing guys like David Backus uh, when they could be calling up young kids? Well, I was looking at it. And well, let's get to the question. So here's the question I'm talking about. Well, first of all, you have to see the Bruins having long-term plans with Charlie Cole. Yes, I do, and I think that's why they wanted to get a guy with term. He has a year left on his uh, on his salary on his contract right now. I do. I do. I do think they see him being what they need. And as we discussed with Kevin Weeks earlier, he gives that balance to the lineup. It doesn't necessarily have to be all goals and assists. It's overall game that he brings and gives that balance to the lineup. I think the points will come. Don't worry about that. And that question came from at Gray Drew seven zero seven two one one Andrew Gray, and he also asked, "Will we see Jake Studnicka this season?" I don't know. I, I think you know, chances are he's gonna he's gonna want to be down there for the playoffs, and I think he's better off developing down there right now. I don't think we do, but it got to a bigger question where people are really knocking the Bruins right now for not giving young kids a chance, which I'm gonna call bullshit on this myth. Uh, I'm just looking at it right now, okay. Carson Kuhlman's been called up three times. All right. Trent Frederick, who was called up again on Wednesday, has been called up twice. Twelve games he's played, no points. Uh, Kuhlman has been called up three times, five games played, one goal, one assist. And Solaric, who, you know, just keeps getting benched during games because he wouldn't know the defensive zone if it uh, fell on him, uh, has been called up five times, 20 games, four goals, two assists. Uh, JFK was called up two games. Uh, two times. He played 28 games, and all he got was three goals and six assists. You know, 
they're giving the kids the chances. They're just not ready yet, and there's nothing wrong with that. I know that we're in an NHL where all these young kids are coming in and making an instant impact, but not everyone's going to do that. And that doesn't mean that these prospects aren't as good as one's thought. It just means that the Bruins want to develop them more. They don't want to throw them into this fire right now. Maybe they're not they're not showing what it takes to play in a stretch run, <coughs> excuse me, and down the playoffs. It's just it's not there right now, and that that's fine. And people need to relax. And Bruins are doing what they can right now. And I thought it was just disgusting the way. And I'm not just calling out fans here. I'm calling out my fellow colleagues who basically kissed the ass of Lee Stepniak when he was working out every day and practicing with the team and how hard he worked to make it back. And they're sitting there congratulating him. And then he has a couple bad games. He's given his best, but he's just, you know, he's at the tail end of his career. It is what it is. But he's all, the only choice the Bruins really had because, like I said, those kids weren't ready. So to shit on Stepniak, shame on you. The things that were said about him, the personal attacks, I thought were disgusting. And, you know, I just – Totally unprofessional by some of the media that I work with. So I'm not going to call it names, but they know who they are. So get a clue. If you're going to talk about the Bruins, you know, and why aren't they putting these young players in, why don't you do some cap research? Why don't you go watch these kids in Providence? And why don't you watch them more closely when they're up here and you'll understand why they're not getting a chance over Lee Stepniak or a Paul Carey who was called up as well by the Bruins, all right? So get a clue. That's all I have to say, all right? But you know what? Enough of me. Calling people out. I'm in a good mood. I'm headed to St. Patrick's weekend. I'm going out to Holyoke, Mass. We've got the fourth largest St. Patty's parade in the country. So I'm going to send this one out to Holyoke as we go. And I'm going to wish all of you, even those people who were mean to me, happy St. Patty's. Thanks for tuning in to the Bruins Beat. I'm off to the dirty old town. No one's holding Talk to you next week. Across the road, but so proud and on the feet brings the girls around the streets of birds, dirty old town, dirty old town.